Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media and the World of Ink Network. This podcast was founded in 2011 by Marsha Casper Cook and Virginia Grenier. Their focus has always been on helping writers reach their dreams by having informative and entertaining shows. You will also hear the latest information on what's new and exciting in the publishing and marketing industry. And the shows will also cover discussions on screenwriting, audiobooks and movies. New to the shows will be the latest style and trends in fashion, as well as nutrition and how Pinterest can add just the right spark of attention you may need for your projects. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. You can find out more information about our shows and being a guest at www.michiganavenuemedia.com. Hi everybody, it's our show. We have a great show today and we have a guest on Elizabeth and I are on the show. Trish Wilson now is Elizabeth Black, the same person, so, okay. And we have John Skip on and I have a feeling I can just sit back and relax because I think I just met him and I think he can handle the show without me. <laughs> We're going to have a really good time. <laughs> He's got a lot to talk about. He's done a lot of things. And as always, Elizabeth introduces me to all these great people that we have such fun. You know, but sometimes, like, I didn't put in too much about horror writers because if I say that, then everybody goes, oh, no, I don't want to talk to or listen to a horror writer. And a writer is a writer no matter what. So it doesn't really matter what we write. It's who we are. So today we're going to have a really fun show, and Elizabeth can introduce John, and and then John can tell us a little bit about himself. Elizabeth, yeah, how sure. are you? Okay. <laughs> um, Another fun well, day. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Uh-huh. Okay. We yeah, have fun. I'm Trish Wilson. My pen name is Elizabeth Black. Um, I'm going to introduce John Skip to you. He is a New York Times bestselling author, editor, film director, zombie godfather, compul- compulsive collaborator, black humor optimist, and all-around renaissance mutant. John Skip is a splatterpunk horror and fantasy author and anthology editor, as well as a songwriter, screenwriter, film director, and film producer. And he collaborated with Craig Spector on multiple novels and has also collaborated with Mark Leventhal and Cody Goodfellow. And that's just the beginning. <laughs> there you go. Right. Right. Okay, so we got that. Okay, John, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Good to be here. Okay, and we have a lot to talk about. You want to make an announcement first before we begin of what your decision in life is? Oh, well, sure. Um, Yeah. Basically, about a month ago, I kind of went uh, big and public with the announcement that I am retiring from uh, writing and or publishing fiction which is what I've been doing for what last 41 years or something. And uh, I'm going to devote the, um, the rest of my days, however many of them I have, and, uh, to making movies and making music. And the reason that I am drawing that line in the sand is because um, books take a lot of time and um, writing takes a lot of time. And the fact of the matter is um, – if you're doing that, the movies don't get made. And yeah. um, during, the cor- during the course of the pandemic, one of the first things that I did, I just finished a screenplay, a feature screenplay for a movie called Doppelbanger. And um, much of this takes place in a karaoke bar, so I wound up writing 36 pieces of music for it. 
And um, um, I knew that the music was there, but I hadn't actually composed it yet. When they were announcing that the clampdown was about to happen, um, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a home studio so I can at least make decent demos out of this stuff. Um, and uh, I decided on a MacBook Pro with GarageBand built into it because it's a very good intuitive software for people who uh, don't know shit about you know, the complexities of technology. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I made my decision to go and do this thing, and all of a sudden across my computer screen, uh, the, the note flashes that uh, Governor Kate is shutting down the state of Oregon as of right this second. I'm like, no! So I, I run to my car, and I blast over to the nearest Best Buy, um, and I scream into the parking lot, and I run up to the doors, and they say, you can't come in. And I go, no! And they said, but uh, if you know what you want, we'll bring it out to you, and you can buy it here at the door. And I said, yes! And they brought me the oh. computer, and I brought it home, and I... Um, I spent the day studying it, and then the next day I wrote the first three pieces of music and wow. composed like eight hours of music since then, uh, including wow. all the music for Doppelbanger and, uh, and two albums that I just released in March. Wow. See, you know, some people during the pandemic couldn't work, and some did extraordinary things. You know, it all depended on the person because during this uh, COVID, sure. we did, nobody knew what to expect, you know. And so I yeah. think some people really didn't. They did nothing. And then other people did a lot of things. Looks like you did a lot. You have something to show well, this horrible time in history. I, I, worked, I worked through the whole thing. I worked every day. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I finished my last book, uh, which came out in – I think November, end of October, uh, which is a, a collection called Don't Push the Button, which uh, is full of short stories, a couple of short screenplays, some essays, and just it's like the most personal book I ever did. So I, wow. I wrapped that thing up, and Josh Mallerman did the intro for it, and, um, and I wrote all that music, and, <laughs> and then I directed the short film of Doppelbanger, which is currently playing at festivals. Um, so yeah, I did a lot. It was crazy. And, um, I mean, I always sort of <clears throat> self isolate, you know, I, I, I work a lot. I, 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 I make shit up on a daily basis and I'm always, yep. uh, you know, working on something. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it really, it really kind of just tripled down. Also, I had just moved to Portland, Oregon from Los Angeles, where I'd lived for the previous 20-some years. Um, it finally priced me out. I moved to Portland, very yeah. nice town. I spent a, a year in Portland and then two years locked in my house. So I'm... I'm yeah, just, I know. See, that's, just, yeah. See, you know, it's such a right? difference, though. Portland, Oregon is a lot different than where you were... Oh, yeah. You came from, you know, so oh, yeah. did you, you know, I, that's my, like, I always say, like, I think it's good if you sometimes are in a smaller place, like I'm in Chicago, and I sometimes, you know, want to get, and I actually think the series I'm doing right now, in a, my romance series, I can get myself to a small place, because I really think I would like to, you know, have characters there, because when you come from yes. Chicago, New York, LA, or any of those, it's mm-hmm. a different life. I mean, it's yep. very different. You know, and so are you in like a community that you've, you did you know anybody? Well, it's very interesting. Um, I, um, I've done, I'm mostly known for my horror work, but over the last 10 years, slightly more, 
Uh, I've been heavily involved with the Bizarro writing community uh, because I really just love their energy and their crazy imaginations and the fact that um, um, they invented their own genre, uh, which is basically uh, the fiction of weird stuff happening because um, one of the founders of it, an amazing writer named uh, Carlton Mellick III, I believe he published like 96 books at this point. At one point he was wow. writing four books a year, just working at this insane clip. Wow. Um, but his very first novel, a book called Satan Burger, uh, wouldn't <laughs> sell anywhere. Uh, this, uh, uh, no, nobody wanted to publish this thing, but it had more crazy science fiction ideas, more wild fantasy scenarios, and more insane horror shit than most people's other 12 novels put together. It was just really imaginative and really weird and sort of violated every uh, genre boundary and, and was essentially a Venn diagram in itself. And, yeah. um, and so what they basically, you know, what, what uh, uh, Carlton and a couple of his pals were like, well, um, I could either start trying to write normal shit that, would, uh, that I would hate, I could kill myself, or maybe we just create a new genre for people like us. And, um, and it's worked out really well. I mean, he's, he's an international phenomenon at this point, and Bizarro is a really cool scene. A lot of Bizarro is centered in Portland, Oregon. And uh, right at the point that I started to go, I can't afford to live in Los Angeles anymore, uh, one of my buddies uh, from the scene, a, uh, a brilliant writer named Garrett Cook, who um, – um, writes bizarro and a, a very poetic and uh, devastatingly beautiful form of extreme horror. He said, uh, one of my housemates is moving out and the room is insanely cheap. He told me the price of the room and I, uh, uh, I was in Portland three weeks later. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's good. You know, I think, see, that's what happens to people. Sometimes you feel like you just want to leave and do something completely yeah. different. I guess you did it. So yeah. this is, you know, I have one, I, I actually do have one little question that I thought of today. I'm thinking during this time of the viruses, um, mm -hmm. I think horror writers and writers that are do sci-fi, this is really a good time for people to really come up with ideas because who knew we would ever be, like when they had all these old movies years ago about the virus that was coming on and all these things, nobody ever thought right. anything like this could happen. And this is where we are. And it's still, it talk about bizarro, this is, the world is really bizarre now. So it's like almost anything goes. And I think oh, for horror absolutely. writers and writers that want to take another turn almost any because you can't always because some of the stuff that happens now you go like you couldn't make this up <laughs> it's impossible Who yeah, would make yeah, up or this if stuff? you did people would go would get out of here yeah you know, yeah they, they, they <laughs> wouldn't they wouldn't they wouldn't buy it but yeah okay so horror uh in uh as i see it horror is the fiction of worst case scenarios and uh so it is perfectly suited for this time and yes. <laughs> bizarro yeah. right right yeah. And Bizarro uh, uh, will look at these things, but with an absurdist, uh, yeah. satirical sense of humor. Yeah, absurdist back to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to me, uh, those are two uh, great tastes that taste great together. I mean, I think humor and horror are flip sides of the same coin. And, um, um, yeah, I mean, if you can't laugh at this, yeah. how, can, how can you cope? You, know, yeah. you, you, you have to be able to laugh at this shit. 
Yeah. I know Elizabeth, go ahead. I know you have something something Yeah, add. um I wanted to know how how do horror and music work together for you? How do horror and music work together for me? Um mm-hmm. well I mean music is its own uh universe, is it, its own dimension. And uh and it is capable of of communicating every emotion or feeling that there is. Uh, it, music is capable of communicating things that words cannot. And um, what I like about horror, I, I, I think about horror less as a genre, to be honest, than as uh, an emotion or an ingredient or a color on a big palette. Um, yeah. You know, like red and, you know, like, uh, you know, infinite black. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there, there, there are a number of, of colors within, within horror itself. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you think, as I do, of, of uh, music and film and books and dance and uh, visual arts and all these things as one big contiguous media that's just trying to communicate uh, what life is from every direction, then, yeah, uh, yeah horror is, is a part of the package, and it works in there with, you know, love and fear and the reasons yeah, that and we th- care about Yeah, that's the problem about genres. That's the problem about genres. Putting, you know, totally. that's one of the things about Amazon I don't like. It's the fact of you might have a few genres in your book, and you have to put it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's really not because in no. drama there's love, in drama there's romance, yeah. you know, in horror there's also love like you're saying and there's romance and there's a lot of things so i mean that's one of the things so that's why i always say because when you say horror people get like oh no i can't listen to that i can't even read that but they don't realize what they're watching a lot of times on tv is horror it's just not labeled absolutely yes 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 yes. um i think horror is the secret ingredient in many things that people love because it's the danger. It's the possibility of things going yeah. uh, horribly wrong, you know, and yeah. without that, there is no conflict. There's no drama. Uh, it's just a bunch of people sitting. It's like the, the old Simpsons episode where, uh, where Marge Simpson took over itchy and scratchy. And instead of doing horrible, violent uh, things, the cat and mouse are just sitting on a porch having lemonade. It's like, what's this? this is, yeah, that, right. <laughs> that is some boring ass shit right there. Um, yeah. Um, no, no. I mean, horror, horror uh, keeps it keeps it lively and uh, and puts the stakes on it. You know, it, it, uh, you care what happens. You know, who's doing really interesting stuff uh, in film are the South Koreans. Um, yeah. I, I think that, that they're they're doing some of the most amazing work in bringing all of the human elements to bear. Uh, a movie like Train to Busan. Did Train you ever to see Busan. That yes. Um, that movie. It, it was a. a, a a Korean zombie movie that takes place mostly on a train and it's got, it's funny, it's scary, it's action packed. Uh, It's the only movie I ever cried three times in the theater while watching. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, the the characters are great and it just, it it hits every base and you're just like, this is a total entertainment. The only thing it didn't have was like a, you know, a dance number. Like Parasite had a lot of in, very interesting yes. things, yes. you know. Parasite because when you watch it and you go and you and when you finally get to the end, you go, "Oh my God!" Because it really works. It works mm-hmm. so well. When you get to that end, you go, "Yes, this is really." And as you're watching it, you, it's kind of hard to believe while you're watching it. And but you you continually watch that movie because you can't stop watching it. 
You want to see what's happening and to create characters like that. And that look at the bad things that were going on there. I mean, and, but that's human spirit. The human nature is a lot of it isn't yep. so great. You know, I mean, it's, and they showed it. <laughs> you they noticed they that. showed it. <laughs> they showed it that it's worse. I mean, yes. Yes, you know. Well, well, look at how much the South Koreans are extremely good at dealing with, with class mm-hmm. consciousness issues. Uh, yeah. Parasite oh, yeah. is like built entirely on Parasite. that. But Train to oh, Busan, the zombie movie yeah. on a train, is incredible yeah. in that regard as well. I, I, just, I re- mm-hmm. recommend it so highly. I should try cool. that. And Squid Game. Okay. I mean, you know, like they, they, they do it every time they turn around, these guys, right now. It, it, yeah, it's see, like I think my, South Korea's life is really changing is, as to what people watch. With every barrel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think people watch, they, they do, you know what, you just, sometimes when you want to sit down and watch a movie, you just don't want it to be about what's happening right now, because we really don't want to see that. <laughs> you want to go into right? other things. You really don't. We don't, we can watch the news and see that, and it's horrifying. So you want to have yeah. your mind thinking, and I think one of the shows, one of the things on this show is we try to do is that people that are listening, writers, we really, you know, we've, we are complex, but we do like a lot of different Things. I mean, and we're interested in a lot of things. And people just, you know, when you write like a screenplay, like you said, you know, short films or books or whatever, it's just writing, you know, and, and it's people that write need to write something. Well, yeah. And if they can't I mean, write like a whole not... book, they should try something short. Short stories are one of my favorite things in the world. And mm. uh, short films are a really good way to uh, – to get your chops as a director, as a filmmaker, in a really good way to, uh, to test market your concepts. Uh, yeah, the, the movie that I just did, Doppelbanger, um, which is called Doppelbanger. I, I, you know, w- when I say that word, people either smile real big or uh, get the sort of rictus of terror that, oh, no, don't tell me that you're going to <laughs> tell me about this stupid thing. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it was amazing to, uh, to shoot this, uh, a, a friend of mine, uh, volunteered to exec produce and put up the cash to do it, put up the requisite thousands of dollars to go out and, and hire thing. an amazing Portland crew and, yeah. uh, get a great cast. I had all, I, I wrote the script. I, uh, I wrote and performed all the music, the 16 songs, um, wow. I uh, uh, got a line producer who hooked me up with all the people that I was going to need uh, to do this. We found a great karaoke bar. We shot it. We shot the entire thing. I, I spent like three months prepping to shoot for 12 hours, but we shot 15 yeah. pages mm-hmm. in 12 hours, and uh, and now it's you know playing around the world. So uh, yeah, I mean it just. Why do you think? I mean, it would be nice. It would be nice if they do more. Go ahead, Elizabeth. Oh, Elizabeth, you were just a Stoker con, and you showed it there. How did that turn out? Well, it was really fun. Uh, I did not um, show um, Doppelbanger in competition because I was one of the judges on the film festival. So you were the one one film that screamed uh, out of competition. Uh, But, um, yeah, it was just before the banquet on Saturday night, just before the awards ceremony, so about 60 people wandered in and watched the uh, crazy thing, and I uh, talked with them about it, and it was super cool. So how many? So how long is the, the short film? It's about, uh, 12 minutes and 40 seconds, something like that. Yeah. yeah. 
So, you Uh-oh. know, and, and a lot of people just, can do things. I have just seen so where are you putting it? Where is it? Terror? That they can, is there a place that people can see it? Oh, no, it's, yes. it's not currently streaming because it's playing festivals, and festivals don't like okay, when you well, put your, they don't like that. your movie on yeah. air. Uh, there, is a, there is a trailer that is screening for it. Um, I'm leaving the room I was in because I just looked at the farm outside my backyard, and it looks like they're about to turn on uh, the uh, lawnmower. And I'm like, oh, okay. I better walk That's as far a... <laughs> away from that shit as possible. <laughs> so you know, that, that would be good if you know, if people, if there were more, you know, if there were more venues like on TV, like maybe if Netflix had like a short. I don't think they do. I don't know if they have short films. Well, although I shouldn't say that because I think they have that on Prime. I think they have some romance mm-hmm. movies that are like twelve minutes, fifteen minutes. I think, mm-hmm. you know, and but I don't think they advertise it too much to tell people about that. No, uh, advertising uh-huh. is, is not their long suit, that. but this is the first time in human history where services that do it. There are, uh, uh, if, if you own all your rights free and clear, uh, you can play it on YouTube, and if enough people watch it, you get paid for it. it it's This has never existed before, and I think yeah. the technology is about, uh, they're going it's to be good. leaps in terms of uh, people's ability to uh to see short films and uh, that some some stuff is about to happen. That's good because uh, it's, I think they need that. Better. I think they need that because you know, and it's also you know, listen, a two-hour film is, is it's a big undertaking and a lot of money, and that's one of the oh, problems. Yeah. They can't get their films made. Oh no, no, it's, it's you know, um, it's. It's a miracle that any films get made at all. They cost so much money. Yeah, I know. expensive yeah. medium in, in all of God's creation. And, uh, you know, there's just so much involved in it. But uh, but movies do get made. They get made on a regular basis. And there's never been more, quote, content, unquote, uh, being made right now for the you know nearly infinite uh, amount of streaming platforms than there is yeah. right now. So, uh I mean, there's a lot of money floating around. It's just uh, uh, being the one who got some, you know. It, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, f- fish, fishing is rough. Yeah, I think if you, if you right, if you can, if you're lucky enough to get financing of some sort, this is really great because it's not that part. Mm-hmm. That, that once you have that, then you you know, because there are a lot of people that want to get their work out there, and it can't really be about the money because you really want to get it out there because, you know, uh, rather than just how much you're making on that, you just want your your idea to be out there. And that's what people, they think everybody that's writing and doing movies makes a ton of money, and that's really not true because by the end oh, of the day... Oh, it's not true. Not, but, but, yeah, but the I know. thing I will say is, is that um, um, without money, there are no movies. So yeah, the money right. guys at the very least to think they're going to make money or at least break even and have a cool experience yeah. or there won't yeah. be any money showing up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, it, so I, that, I'm that, sure that's it's great on the set. Right, yeah. To be but, on but I could live on a, I could live on a movie set all day. That's I mean, that's my, my favorite yeah. place to be. It's just so much fun. Yeah. yeah. I like, Elizabeth, go ahead. I like pulling hey, together... My, my my good friend and brilliant sometimes collaborator Cody Goodfellow, who plays Cowboy Rusty in Doppelbanger, um, he uh, he was in a, a music video I directed about eight nine years ago, and 
we were shooting in this uh, beautiful loft in downtown Los Angeles right across from this beautiful 1930s Art Deco bank and uh, directly across the street from that was an enormous homeless encampment and um, uh, the director of photography is uh, making sure all the lighting is where we want and we're, we're uh, everybody's in the positions are just about shooting and Cody said to me it just occurred to me that making a movie is like doing a a bank heist where uh, everybody's got you you got to have the guy who can pick the lock and you got to have the muscle and uh, you got to have the person who's persuasive right you got to have a whole team have... yeah yeah you actually need a team yeah. i mean you know years ago when mm-hmm. i used to say that if more writers directors producers and author writer you know if everybody got together you know the director writer producer they'd have really good movies instead of doing it separately a lot of times you know somebody gets a script and then they change the whole script and that's nothing like the person that wrote it started as you know and then oh, yeah. it turns bad but if everybody works together this is a good thing you know and it can be a great project it's it's a team sport and uh you need a great team Uh, or like cody was saying it's like a bank heist and it's a good way to put it right it's an interesting way to put that so everybody's got to like really be on top of their shit the amount of time that's right elizabeth i think you had something to say elizabeth like, I just think yeah, uh, were you saying something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, interesting with with the movie business that you were talking about. Um, I mean, you can't do everything, so you get the best people behind you, so that all yes. of you work together and you put forth this really fantastic product in the end, which is you know yes. pretty much what happened with Double Banger. And um, yeah. I did have a question though about um, earlier we were talking about extreme horror and splatterpunk and bizarro, and I think that um. Oh, one thing that you had said, and don't push the button, about some of the differences, you said that um, hmm. hardcore extreme is concerned with how things hurt, and splatterpunk is concerned with why this horrible thing is happening. And um, I wanted to know about hmm. what drew you to splatterpunk and that, you know, that, that end of horror, as opposed to any other area. I mean, what, what attracted well, you to it? Well, I, um, I like... If you're going to do horrible shit, it better mean something. And uh, mm-hmm. I have always uh, loved horror that uh, that wasn't afraid to address uh, serious issues in mm-hmm. uh, in an engaging way. I, I like to use the term art, which is like art yeah. with the will to entertain or or uh, entertainment that is actually artfully delivered. If, if you care enough uh, about the work and you care about uh, what you're trying to communicate with people, uh, yeah, I mean, I I like to hear from people who, who, who hello, hello, am I there? Hello, am I, am I on? Oh, I'm having trouble with the line. Oh, you are. I'm, I'm here. Can you hear me? No, oh, I'm I'm there. I'm okay. I'm okay now. Okay. All right. I lost okay. you for a second there. Uh, are, are we all there? Should, I, yeah, we're I think on, I remember we're on, what I was saying. Are, are, you, are you walking around while you're talking? Maybe, maybe that's where you're are you losing. Oh, uh, I'm standing still now. How's this? Okay, you're standing still. Oh, <laughs> we can't see you, but I can tell when we do that. I said, <laughs> if, yeah, because I have a habit of sometimes walking, but lately I, do, I just sit now. I just sit and stand in one spot. <laughs> 
because you know with the internet that's what happens as soon as you move that sometimes the connections this is this is how it life is these days with connections right you know and, and so uh, yeah and i'm just trying i'm just trying to get away from that guy uh, uh who's yeah. mowing the lawn at the farm mm. Can, I don't think we might not be. We might not hear the no. Probably not because. And then when they, after the show's over, blog talk. I think they get rid of anything in the background that they hear, because they nice. first. You know, it's live show, and then I don't change anything. I don't cut it or anything. This is whatever we say. We say, <laughs> good or bad, we're right, on right, there. Right. And right. And yeah, so they kind of smooth it. it. Yeah, it's a delay, right? When, but it's not a delay. I think when you listen to it afterwards, I don't listen to the shows because if I listen to the shows, I'll probably never talk again. <laughs> this is not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear what I have to say. I know because then I'll go, oh my god, what did I say? <laughs> so you know, but this is, this is live. This is this is this is how it is. Twenty twenty two. Actually, it's been this way since I've been doing shows, you know. And when we first started doing shows on the Internet, you know, with the podcast, nobody even knew what a podcast was. They would go like, so where can we hear you? What station? No, it's on the Internet, you know. And now everybody and their brother does podcasts, so you don't have to say anything. You just go, podcast, and they go, oh, okay, we get it now. And, um, yeah. Because remember, Elizabeth, they didn't know what a podcast was. I didn't even know. You know, well, the first time I was on the show, I go, yeah, I, like, I what? I was on a radio show. I didn't know what else to yeah. call it. And then I found out later it was a podcast. I know. So and that's true. Did I answer your, your question uh, yeah, about spider yeah. punk and stuff? Yeah. I, was, I was starting to, uh, and, and then I went out. And, yeah, I mean, I just really like, um, I really like unmistakable metaphors. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I it, it's not that I want things to be obvious uh, or you know on the nose, but if I'm going to if I'm going to punch you with a work of horror, uh, the nose is probably going to get hit. Um, mm-hmm. And you know it's like I, I um yeah when I do horror I, I'm not fucking around. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but you know that said, there has to to be a point and. Uh, uh, there are things that I do not love because I just feel like uh, it, it's just to see how mean and ugly shit can get. And yeah. although yeah. Uh, although meanness and ugliness are uh, are inevitable components of of uh, you know life on the planet, um, if there's not a point, uh, I, I don't see any point in taking people to hell and then just leaving them there and say. Have a nice day, asshole. Right. Uh, you know, I, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? yeah. And, and uh, one of the things I like about uh, Bizarro is that it uh, uh, embraces the absurdist elements of it, and uh, and therefore I think uh, often has a a wider emotional bandwidth, um, and um, it's just more playful. I. And you know when horror, when extreme horror gets playful, or is about something, or really successfully tells me things that it uh, that it couldn't tell me without going as hardcore as it goes, I yeah. love that stuff. That's yeah. the stuff yeah. I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think you know bad things happen, and I think that's why when they label it like horror, it's just kind of you know it's deep dark 
like thriller type a lot of times, but not, you know, I always, I've had this discussion many times because as soon as you say horror, they're expecting something else a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of things that happen in life on a daily basis or things horrify people, and that is horror. So, you know, it, there's there's so many different yeah. ways you can talk about horror, and, you know, and like you're saying, you want, you're doing responsible horror, kind of, right? I mean, it's well, like you, you have to have a feeling for what you're doing. It, it, I, I do horror that gives a shit, absolutely, yeah. and, yeah. and that's yeah. a big yeah. part of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, um, well, I, yeah. I think it's, I like about about your story. This is how we learn, because you said that hell is for learning mm. the same lesson over and over until you get it right. It's exactly like Earth, and that's what I like yes. about the story is that sometimes you've really got to take drastic measures to get your point across. But there is a yeah. point, and it does get across. It's not like this random violence just for its own sake, which uh, I, I don't yeah. like either. I, I find it kind of dull because there's just no point to it. Yeah, yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't land for me. Uh, I, I my feeling often is, I've suffered enough. Um, mm -hmm. You know, yeah. um, you you, yeah. you just kicking me because you can. Uh, yeah. You know, it's not that hard to do. Give me a reason to to put up with this pain or or uh, get the fuck out of my face. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, but so I think that <laughs> right. But I, and I think a lot of times people don't actually know. You know, they don't realize some of the things that they are watching. And, you know, and they're not responsible. Some of it isn't responsible. Really, it's tough, some of the stuff, you know, when they see that. And that's, sure. I, I don't even know. They haven't even classified what's, you know. And I find myself watching a lot of things that are, you know, there's a lot of bad things that happen in these things. And you're watching it, and then the fact that you're kind of rooting for a person that's not that good of a person is a strange mm -hmm. feeling, but that's how it goes now. If you like a character, you go, you know, you're looking at it as a story, but then there are the other people out there that are thinking, oh, this is real. You know, they they want to do things like the people did, and that's not a good thing because you have to be responsible when you're watching something to know that this is fiction, you know. And, mm -hmm. um, oh, it, it's you know, and very a lot of people tough. don't I, think. Yeah. It, uh, I mean, it's really tough because, I mean, all the way back, uh, for, for as long as I've been interested in horror, people have been blaming horror for horrible things that happen in the world. And it's like, you know, all David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, needed was his next-door yeah. neighbor's dog to bark to set him off and, and make him kill people. Uh, I think that, you know, the world is full of terrible ideas um, at, that we don't want people to emulate. But uh, the fact of the matter is uh, it wasn't video games or movies or any of that stuff that made people do it. We invented video games and violent movies to attempt to address the fact that we live in a horribly violent world. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I think being responsible uh, is important in the same way that, you know, being responsible uh, in any other public space is. If, if you go around, uh, uh, you know, if you go around hurting people just because you can, uh, then you're a dick. And that's not mm -hmm. cool, and, and somebody should call you on it. Um, I think and, people like to feel, uh, that, sometimes they do like to feel fear. They, in, the, in a movie, they like that fear feeling, you know. Fear is yeah. not the same as something horrible. You know, fear is just a feeling, You like you were saying before, it's, you, this is a feeling. Well, you also have control yeah. with the situation. You can get up and leave at any time. So it's, like, it's a yeah, control right. fear. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a vicarious thrill. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, when, yeah. When, when, it's in, when, it, when it's an art. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I, there, there are an awful lot of things that I enjoy in inter- entertainment that I would not sit still for a moment uh, for in, in actual life. Um, yeah. Or I would try to get out of there as fast as possible. And, right. um, yeah, and, and, you know, that's the thing. Uh, um, uh, one of the things that we have as a species is rich fantasy lives. And, um, you know, yeah. one of the reasons that we yeah. make, make art is to be able yeah. to, to play with that stuff uh, in yeah. the safety zone of our brains. Um, because if we actually did a bunch of that stuff, we'd be in jail or something. Yeah, and sometimes if even in our dreams, some of the things that happen in dreams are like oh, yeah. when you wake up, it's like they're not a good dream. You know, <laughs> really bad <laughs> things happen. And it's like sometimes yeah. you don't remember it, and sometimes like if I have one, I just put a few words down to try to remember it. But, you know, because sometimes you really do want to remember some of these things. But, you know, sure. but when we do dream, I think we do sometimes dream – you know, of people that we might even know doing things that aren't great or we get in a situation that we can't get out of, you know, even like for me, like when I remember when Mm -hmm. the pandemic started, I was, I kept having like nightmares about wearing a mask, not wearing a mask, being in a place, not having a mask, you know, and I had it Mm -hmm. recurring because I think people were, people were freaking out at the beginning, I think, you know, and that's why I continue oh, totally. to do shows over the year, the whole time because nobody knew how long it was going to last or what's going to happen. And when people do look back at this, this was a very dark time. You know, no oh, yeah. traffic. I mean, it's kind of weird when you think about it. nobody was driving, nobody was going anywhere. You were like home, and you didn't know how long and everything. So I think we never – now we actually have felt some fear that we didn't always oh, have. You know, we we have we have that uh, we, that nothing had uh, prepared us for. That is that is absolutely true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we had we survived it. I mean, people survived a lot more than we thought that we could do. Because if someone would have said, "Oh, you're going to be home for months at a time," you go, "Really?" You know, and nobody would have ever thought. So that's like a thought that maybe somebody years ago would write about a virus or whatever, and now it became a reality. So, yep. I, you know, so, yeah, so there's a lot of things to take from that, especially in writing, you know, writing. I think you could take that feeling of how you feel or how you did, fe- you know, we all felt different ways. And it wasn't such good feelings. Like, Elizabeth, you know, you you were, this was not a great time. No, no, it, it hasn't been. Well, we about had lots of shows. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank God we've got a huge app. I think I would have got a huge appetite for uh, dystopian future fantasies. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I think that helped prepare uh, uh, some peop- people, you know, because dystopian uh, dystopian stories, science fiction or horror stories, are sort of like uh, rehearsals for uh, for the horrible thing going down. That's why so many people have like their their zombie uh, response plans and so forth. And mm-hmm. that's all. That's all cute, but it it, it underlies uh, the serious dread of civilization caving in under us. Yeah. And uh, well, that's and, why The Walking Dead and uh, The Handmaid's Tale are so popular, especially right absolutely. now. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They, they I, both yeah. have an awful lot to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I think people are more interested these days in in watching things like this and just you know getting involved in it now where they didn't years ago, you know. And they really should not label things as much, you know. Just kind of watch it and then make your own decision of what you think before you someone says, "Oh, this is this," you know, because everybody does have their own. You know, you you have a fear of things, but sometimes you don't know you have a fear, or you just if you watch something, you go, "Why was I afraid of that?" You know, right. and I think those are the things that probably will maybe change. You know, you like you. I, I want to talk about directing because you—that's yes. your favorite yes. thing to do. So, that, why do you like it? I, I love. I think directing is such an important thing. You know, for people. You know, especially when you're writing. You know, and you have. If you don't have a good director, or you do have one, you want to talk a little bit about how you feel about directing? Sure, absolutely. Um, yeah. The big thing about directing is understanding that uh, everything that you do uh, is going to – nothing is going to wind up on the screen that isn't the result of of your careful planning or lack of careful planning. And, um, and, you know, only things that hit the screen – only things that get shot by a camera are going to wind up in your movie. And so – you have to make sure that every second of this thing is uh, is dialed and, and is is doing the best job that it can. So, uh, for me, my three favorite parts of, of of directing are pre-production, where I'm going through the script and planning everything. When I'm writing the screenplay, uh, I'm writing like a producer and I'm writing like a director. I'm already thinking uh, when I put the words to the page about what yeah. it's going to look like. And I'm already yeah. thinking about how much it's going to cost and if I'm going to be able to afford it or not. Um, well, that's the other thing. Right. See, that's the other. That's really important. Yeah. It's 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 huge. Uh, then I'm always also thinking about uh, the characters and the uh, the dialogue I give them and the actions I give them and going, is this playable? If I give this to a really good actor, are they going to go, this is bullshit, or are they going to go, yeah. this is awesome? Uh, yeah. Did I give them what they need? Uh, and did I give them room to to play in it? Did, did I give yeah. them a, a character for them to inhabit, and then they devote themselves to becoming that character? And when the camera rolls, you just let them go because they they know who they are, they know who they're playing, and they've got it. Uh, if you if you hire the right people, if you plan like crazy, uh, if you rehearse what needs to be rehearsed, and you leave. Uh, the other shit uh, alone so that uh, people have their own private time to discover the magic in it. Um, right. If you give everybody all the information they need. When, when we shot Doppelbanger, again, we we shot uh, 15 pages of script in, in 12 hours, so we didn't go into overtime. Nobody in the crew could believe that we did it, but it was like a really super well-oiled machine where I went over every single shot with the director of photography and we went out to the location and we walked through every place and just went, okay, and then this camera uh, shot does this, and then this shot does this, this person walks over there, and we need to nail them at that moment. And he's looking at it and he's going, okay, this, this club is really well lit. It's beautifully designed, so we only need to do fill lights. So uh, we're looking at the shot and he'll say, okay, so I'm going to have somebody put up a light right there and uh, put it up in five minutes as opposed to uh, when you're directing – Changing the lights is like the slowest thing. It can be like a half hour between setups if you have uh-huh. to like light the other side of the room. So the more you plan this stuff to move fast, 
then everybody is excited. Uh, there's no downtime. You're not standing around trying to make decisions while everybody's going, does this fucking guy know what he's doing or what? Yeah, right. Um, right, right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's how you inspire confidence. And yes. um, I, I lead as quietly as possible. Uh, I, I don't allow any drama on the set. I don't yell at people. I don't let anybody else yell at people. Uh, I, maintain a, a asshole, I maintain an asshole-free zone. Uh, yeah. And uh, and if you can't uh, play in an asshole free zone, I don't hire you. Um, yeah. Right. You know you you can go screw up somebody else's shoot, and um, uh, then what you wind up with is a bunch of really devoted people who are good at their stuff. Uh, the hair and makeup and uh, stylist uh, uh, is making the women look great, and yeah. uh, um, the the lighting is is great, and the camera moves. My de- director of photography. Uh, one of the reasons I picked him was that he's an incredible Steadicam operator, so he can make the camera float and dance. Um, yeah. And uh, and there, there's a scene where uh, where Kayla Dixon, who is I think uh, the only she's the only black female heavy metal singer that I know of. She's a phenomenal mm. performer, uh, and I wrote her uh, a, a blues song to sing. Uh, and she's garbed uh, in, in sort of like a Billie Holiday uh, sort of affair with the, the hair brushed back and the, the large flower in her hair. And, and oh, yeah. she's playing a completely yeah. different thing, mm-hmm. but she's got this, this incredible voice. And oh, she does. Uh, when, when she does her big song, which is called Be Nice to Me, uh, I'm standing back looking at the monitors and just watching her sing live to the music playing through the karaoke uh, uh, sound system while the camera is just moving with her. And uh, it's all one take, and it's just intoxicating. And that's the stuff that you live for uh, and yeah. you plan for. And then you set everything up, and then you let magic happen. And Right. Uh, well, that's you, the thing. You have to let you, the magic happen, right. Because, you know, it's yeah. just not what's on the, on the page. It's also nope. what you know, what you're, the feeling is that you want the people that are watching it to feel, you know, because yeah, sometimes when you hear a great medium. song, yeah, when you hear a great song, you remember it, and you just that feeling, you know, that's why people a lot of times they use, in a lot of movies, they use old songs, and when they come on, everybody goes, oh, they, you know, you just have a memory yourself of a song, and that you love it, and you, you know, like Goodfellas, I mean, that was one of the first movies I ever saw where they kept putting different um you know, songs in it, and I thought this really works yeah, great because, yeah, yeah, and and I think that works a lot of times because sometimes well, you don't have to talk; you could have the music, not just people talking. Absolutely, no, music is so powerful, and yeah. um, you know, the, the the challenge with Doppelbanger um, was to write all original music that hopefully people walk out of the theater. Uh, humming or with it stuck in their head, right. uh, and, yeah. and when they watch the movie again, it'll be like, "Oh, it's that great song." Um, yeah, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and then you know you, you've created the new memory for the new tune, and that becomes the indelible thing. And it, so, if that song ever winds up like in a car commercial or something, people will go, yeah. "Oh, but I will still remember <laughs> it from that nice." 
Oh, it is unbelievable how much they use songs in the commercials. Right, they do. And sometimes oh, yeah. actually, in some sometimes they use them in commercials, and I go like, what were they thinking? This song doesn't even belong here. You know, I'm, it, you know it, sometimes it has to belong somewhere and just not say, oh, this, we love this song. Because sometimes when you see a commercial, you're going, what? <laughs> For a certain item, you go, how did they figure that out? It's not even, you know, and you do have to have thought to that. So you have to have when you're doing, like you're doing the words and you're doing the whole thing, so it has to come across as a mood. You're setting the mood for people. Yeah. You know. Well, so again, I think music is emotion. Yes. Yeah. Music is I think emotion. It is. It, it's, it's crystallized mm-hmm. emotion. Uh, Do you have any favorite I, I movies think... that you like? Do you have any favorites that you like? Movies? Oh, my God. I, uh, a lot? Um, <laughs> yeah, I... I um, uh, my friend Heather Drain and I uh, did a book a couple years ago called The Bizarro Encyclopedia of Film, Volume 1, in which we uh, only managed to list uh, 1,600 of our favorite movies. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know, so, but yeah, sometimes I, I, I hear I myself saying, oh, I love that film. <laughs> oh, I like that film. Oh, this is a great film. You know, and but I actually mean it. I don't, you know what I mean? It's not like oh. I have one film or two that, you know, but I have some favorites that I've watched all the time and, you know, uh, and I watch them over and over again. You know, and I think oh, people, sure. one of the things writers don't do is they don't watch, a lot of writers don't watch as many movies as they should. You can, when you're watching someone else's movie, thoughts of your own writing come into your head it's not even Mm -hmm. what you're watching it's what you're thinking and then it helps you i think it's good it's wonderful and and, you know i I think uh any filmmaker who wants to be any good should seriously watch movies and watch a wide variety of of movies over the entire history of of film so that you have a sense of what can be done uh and in much the same way that anybody who wants to write novels Better read a lot of novels to understand yeah. how novels oh, yeah. work and, and you know uh, what the what they love and what they don't. Give a writers and tell them to read. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and for some it's like watch movies. And if and if you yeah. want to be a musician, you better listen to other musicians because yeah. where the hell are you going to get your your you know your licks from and your sense of of history and yeah. possibility? Yesterday, I spent seven hours at the piano. Yesterday yeah. was was a piano wow. day. Um, I, I did not know how to play the keyboards when I got my studio. I, I knew what the notes were. I have a pretty good sense of theory, but I had no technique whatsoever. Yesterday, really? I spent oh, wow. seven hours seven hours at the piano uh, and just uh, learning drills, learning how to arpeggiate all up and down the uh, the keyboard and just do like oh, flowing, yeah. rolling yeah. riffs and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, when you, so my, you write the words. You write the words and then fit it to the music, right? Is that, or do you do it? You know, listen to music like a, a, a melody and then think of something, or how do you do it? Which way I, for you works? I, I almost always start with uh, um, with a rhythm with drums. I almost always uh-huh, start with uh-huh. drums, and then that that leads me to where I'm going to go. But okay, uh, a thing that I've been doing. Over the last year and a half in particular, I, I didn't start out doing this, but I have uh, a, an electric keyboard uh, right by my bed, between uh, my, my bed and my bathroom. And if I wake up in the middle of the night, which I often do, um, yeah. 
as I walk by the keyboard, I'll just uh, throw my fingers down, and if I like what it sounds like, I'll play with it for a couple minutes, and if I really like it, I'll turn on the studio and I'll record it, and then I'll figure yeah. out what, yeah. The, yeah. what yeah. the beat is that goes under it. Uh, so a lot of times, I, I like um, I like making an accident happen and then uh, uh, pulling form out of the accident, uh, as yep. opposed to like going in with a plan. But then sometimes you have a plan. Sometimes you hear a melody in your head, and it's like, oh, how does this go? Um, right. You know, a, a song can happen from anywhere, but or, or a you know an instrumental composition can can happen from anywhere. But yeah, I often start uh, with a beat. Or um, or with a, uh, just hitting some random keys and going, oh, that's interesting. That made a yeah. minor nine, um, yeah. uh, and and just going, okay, those notes in particular, when you put them together, they make me feel this. They make me sad, or they make me mm-hmm. scared, or they make me yeah. uh, um, happy, or they make me horny, or they make me something, you know. And it's just like, yeah, this is. Let's 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 follow this thing where it goes. Yeah. Uh, it, it's like David Lynch likes to talk about uh, um, fishing for ideas, and he'll just yeah. go and he'll just he'll just toss his his hook and line into the unconscious and see what comes out. Um, and you know, doesn't necessarily. Sometimes have a plan you just don't know what's going to come out. I mean, we don't know what's going to come yeah. out. We don't even know where our thoughts come from. Sometimes you go like, "What did I think of that? Or where was I?" You know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah you mm-hmm. know, Elizabeth, do you have anything else that you want to add in there? Oh no, not at the moment. You pretty much said everything okay, that right. I already, already wanted to say. Oh, all right, good. It, okay, it's, and it's really you, funny. Go ahead. I, I think about what Robert Crumb, the, the great. Uh, troublemaking underground cartoonist used to say, I am not responsible for the contents of my unconscious mind. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no kidding. I know. You know, it, it's funny because, like, when I hear, like, some of my, I've mentioned this before, when I hear some of my books on audio, which I listen to audio books mm. a lot. I love audio books. And so I listen cool. to audio books and I, my own sometimes, and it's like I don't even feel like I wrote it because I'm going like, it does, you know. And even when I had, in one of them, I had to re go go into the book and re read something because I thought, oh, maybe they added something. I go, they really, this sounds really good, and I think they had a, they added this. So I'm looking in the book, and it's not there. So I asked her, and I go, did you add anything? She goes, no, it's in your work because sometimes when you hear it and you read it, yeah. it's completely different. I think. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I mean that's why I think people a lot of times can learn from audiobooks how to be a better writer in some ways because oh, yeah. when you're hearing it you're not looking for punctuation you're not looking for a paragraph you know everybody goes like oh they, they didn't yeah. you know they the paragraph is wrong they left the comma out you know and who cares you know <laughs> I mean it's like you should be looking for the story and listening to the story not worrying so much about all the other little things. You know, and you know so there's something else about performance. Uh, a, a good reader uh, really, really uh, performs a, a sort of a magic trick. Um, yeah. I, I had a great experience, a really kind of amazing experience at uh, StokerCon at the uh, uh, horror convention in Denver, Colorado, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was in a, uh, a reading block. Um, I was I was batting cleanup with two other writers who I did not know. The first guy came on, and he read this uh, um, sort of horror fantasy piece 
like a Robert E. Howard sort of thing, but his main character, uh, the narrator of the scene, uh, who he was uh, reading as, was an alternate reality Adolf Hitler who was actually a really nice, brave guy who was uh, trying to help Robert Howard and who found out that uh, in another dimension, he's a monster. And mm. he wow. read wow. it so well and so entertainingly that yeah. it was just kind of jaw-droppingly incredible. And then the next woman who came up read this uh, piece um, set in Brazil and having to do with uh, um, Brazilian mysticism. I, uh, uh, it wasn't voodoo, but it was voodoo adjacent. And, yeah. uh, and she read so lushly and vibrantly with so much emotion and, and excitement and, and passion. And it was just great. Both of these writers completely killed me and then it was my turn and uh, uh, because both of their things were um, were kind of alternate reality stories I threw away what I was going to read from from my book don't push the button and I, <laughs> yep, right. I wound up reading reading the story called hopium den which I think is my yeah. favorite story in the book and it's a really sad story uh, with a first-person narrator who goes to uh, uh, visit her husband in a cryonic cell where he uh, is hooked up to life support, dreaming wonderful lives for himself while he just basically rots in there. And Mm -hmm. um, she goes to see him and say goodbye because she's decided to actually live in a world where uh, uh, the robots are pretty much taking care of everything and the whales are back and the air is clear. The nanobots have eaten the pollution out of the, the water and, uh, and nobody has to work a job anymore. And she's just going to, uh, uh, make food and, uh, uh, get laid and, uh, tend her garden and, and, uh, and curse her ex-husband for being such a chicken shit that he didn't want to live anymore. Uh, and so I, I get up and I'm, uh, and I go, okay, so you just saw two people read incredibly well. Now I'm going to show you what uh, boring, dry, effectless <laughs> oh right, reading is like. Oh, my uh, and, and then I started to read, and I swear to God, this has never happened to me before. I started crying because the wow. story was sad, and, and it just wow. – I cried through roughly one-fourth of the story, and I didn't stop wow. reading. I just cried in Ooh. character because wow. that was how I felt. And it was amazing. I've oh. never had that. I've never cried you can, sometimes microphone you can amaze before. yourself, right? Sometimes you go, what did yeah. you <laughs> Yeah, when you're by your own story like that, especially. Yeah. You know, Elizabeth, Elizabeth reads really well. I'm not saying this just because you're on the show, Elizabeth, but years oh, ago we used to have a lot of times where we had readings. And not me, because I don't like to read my, you know, I, I hate it. The first radio show I did, I was reading, you know, and I changed the words while I was reading it. <laughs> I didn't like it while I'm reading it. And so, no. uh, so I'm not one that's well, great on reading, but <laughs> I'm just well, going like, oh my God, should I say that? But Elizabeth reads really well. Because remember the shows used to read very well. Yeah, we oh, said right. like everybody in well, anthology they'd read things. You're a good reader. Stage work, so everything that yeah. Skip had to say about making the movies, I can identify with, especially the yeah. lighting. It does take forever. Yeah. Yes. Right, and yes. and you know, right, and if you don't have the right lighting, sometimes you're delayed. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, the, well, everything is on. You're on a budget. Issues. You're on a budget when you're doing a movie. 
I think people don't realize mm-hmm. that. It just you can't just keep you know going out there because you got to be having a finished product in a certain amount of time. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And so, but I, every, every second costs. Every second costs. Yes, every second money costs. that you can that, uh-huh. that you can watch ticking away. Yeah. Yeah. It goes ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. Yeah, my well, mom, it's called life. Money. It's called life. Everything costs mm-hmm. money. So, so I, this has been a great show. Like Elizabeth, anything else you want to say before we go? I'm, I'm going to say oh. one thing though. We should have. We're going to have you on. You know, John. We, we, we should have with Josh. Okay, I with Josh. Yeah. This will be. Yeah, we oh, oh, mail him. Yeah, but this will be. Maybe we'll have. Let's maybe if you yeah. can come in September or something, we could have a show. It'll be really good. The both of them. That would be fantastic. Yeah, we, I, I yeah. love yeah. Josh. Josh and I are, are yes. really good friends, and uh, yeah. we both completely relate. Uh, create. We we have very similar creative uh, spirits. Uh, yeah. Very yeah. complimentary. And uh, yeah, uh, that that would be a blast. He's he was a great guest. We did. We got along. We had a great time because, right? You know, right? Because you don't. You know, the thing is, in writing, any kind of writing, you can't take yourself that seriously, and you just have to kind of go right. with the flow. And I think, you know, that's really yeah. one of the things why I do this show. So show people you can go with the flow, and there's different ways to do things. There's no real exact right and wrong. It's what you think at the time, you know. And you just got to have the guts to do yeah. it. As the uh, the great British stand-up comedian Lord Buckley used to say, angels got wings because they take themselves lightly. That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that is the truth. And that's how I survive every day of my life. <laughs> Whatever happens, right? happens. You know, you can't, you know, especially now. All right, so, John, anything else you want to talk about or before we go? You got anything else to say um, here that before we... I want to thank you for having me on. This has been totally oh. fun. Um, oh, you're welcome. I want to. We, we, we try. Uh, <laughs> we good. I'm want so to glad. Encourage, I'm glad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to encourage people to uh, read uh, Don't Push the Button from Clash Books. It is the last book of fiction I will probably ever publish in my life. Uh, I would like people to uh, um, go to Amazon or Bandcamp or wherever better music is sold. Uh, You can find it on Spotify or wherever, but uh, I have two albums out that came out in March. One is called um, The Antidote to Fear, and it is a uh, collection of songs uh, written during the COVID era, and then an album of instrumentals called um, uh, Cry Me a Rainbow, which is kind of indicative of uh, the many kinds of soundtrack um, music moods that I create. And I think that will get you a real good sense of what I'm up to these days. Uh, also, um, the trailer for Doppelbanger uh, is up on YouTube and is super fun. And I also have a, a new music video completely animated with the uh, uh, animation program Doodly for a song called Nothing Is Wrong, which is on the Antidote to Fear and also on the soundtrack to um, Doppelbanger. So right. those are my po- product places. They got a lot things. going on there. Um, they got a lot. Going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I, you know what? I, uh, you know, again, I like I mean, when I've been, you know. Yeah. I've been I like when you, for you like do that. Thirty-one years uh, or something. I have uh, innumerable books out. So if anybody's oh going to give me shit you for do. not writing books anymore, uh, it's not like I don't have a whole lot of stuff for you to read. You have a lot uh, of stuff. Oh my god! You have. I, I yeah. love when, when Elizabeth said who's coming. I went looked you up. I went. Oh my god. 
so much uh-huh. there's so much going on you know and so that's the thing you know and i i have to say something i like you know when a guest comes out and say, well, you're saying everything you do cuz you're and you're excited about it about oh, all yeah. you do and that's a oh, good yeah. thing. So, I mean, like me, I, I better say some, a few things, something that I, I see. I put my notes there. I'm supposed to say something for myself. <laughs> I go like, oh, the show's over. <laughs> and I go, oh, guess what? I didn't say. Anyway, we do have a new show coming up. It's And Elizabeth, I'll, you, I want you to talk about that for one minute. But we're, I have, um, it's all about love. It's beach reads. So it's going to be about romance. And we're having a, a show beginning next to next Thursday, it's all about love, and it's going to be about just different types of love and having you know books out with love and enjoyment and just like when people say beach reads, they go to a beach. I don't because I don't swim, but Elizabeth, you do go to beaches. I don't. I don't. I'm an inside girl. No, I go to the beach, and, but it's too cold to swim. <laughs> yeah, but you yeah, are. Yeah. You you always go, but you know. So I think that would be a fun show, and um, so and we're starting a few other little shows, and then. I think Elizabeth, you ha- you are coming on with your anthology. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be on June sixteenth, and the book is uh, Dancing in the Shadows, a tribute to Anne Rice, and I have a oh, story nice. in that book. That, yeah, that's going to be a good show. Yeah, and then July. Are you going to? Is everybody going to read? Do they want to yeah. read, Elizabeth? Do they? Yeah. They want to read. Oh, I'll ask them. From I, they, they yeah, I'll ask them about that. They don't have to, you know. I mean, I don't. They don't. You know, if they don't want to, they don't have to. You know, because a lot of times I'll have people that go, oh, yeah, I'll read mine. And then I go, no, I'm not. <laughs> you know, I'm, this is my show. I don't have to read it. <laughs> I don't have to read. But, you know, but it is good. You know, honestly, when people do read, sometimes it is good because, you know, we could all talk about things. But sometimes when you have, a, like you were saying, you have a book read, you know, you're listening to it. It really does make people want to read it. You know, I mean, because we could it, say we have a book, well. but they don't know what we have. They don't know, yeah. you know. And so I think that, that, you know, all the people listening, just keep writing. You know, you can't stop. If you really love it, don't think about the money that you're not making. <laughs> think about mm-hmm. life and think about enjoying it. And if you don't write, you know, now there's all, like you said before, there's all kinds of places where, you know, they have YouTube, you know, they have iTunes, they have everything. And, you you know, you can do short films. You can do a lot of different things, but don't give up. You can't give up if you really love this. you got to keep going. Um, yeah, and I mean, what, you have something better to do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's a good way to look at it, right. Mm-hmm. It's a very good way. No, because honestly, people, they just go, you know, they give up too fast. You know, and yeah, you can't, well, and you know, and they can't be afraid of what someone says if they don't like your work. So what? Move on. You know, it's oh, okay. Can I? Yeah, let you me can. Just, let me save this on that subject. Um, okay. A lot of people like to talk about uh, how amazing Mozart was. He was a child prodigy. He was uh, like writing his first concertos when he was like five or something like that, and that's amazing. But you know what? When Mozart was two, his music sucked. It was yeah. like uh, a cat walking on a piano. You know, yeah. he wasn't any good. He got he got good because he worked on it. Yeah. You know? You have to do uh, that. And you know? If, yeah. If keep doing it. You might get good at it. Um, yeah. And per- particularly if you, if you practice diligently and with love and with love for 
the medium. I mean, if you want to be a writer, uh, yeah. you know, you look at the people who've written stuff that you love and you, you look at the sentences and go, oh, that's how they do it. You figure out their tricks. Yeah. It's all a series yeah. of tricks that you learn yeah. how to perform it. Uh, uh, and then, you know, maybe you get to make magic. Uh, but if you learn your craft, it's hard and it takes a while and you don't start out good. But if you keep at it, you can get yeah. good. People yeah. who thought they had nothing uh, but were determined yeah. to do it, and everybody told them they sucked, and they kept doing yeah. it, and they kept doing it, and all of a sudden, they're amazing, and that's how yeah. it happened. Yeah. And then you get a good story, and it's really a great story, and people start mm-hmm. reading it. And you know what? The thing about writing is it's going to be there. If you have a book and it's on Amazon, it's not going in. They don't take books off, so it's going to be there long after we're mm-hmm. gone. You know, or Amazon. I don't think Amazon's going anywhere soon. <laughs> but um, not, not, so Amazon. Not, <laughs> not this week. But you know, honestly, that's you know, and then you never know, you know. And I think that's what right now. It's so much different than it was thirty years ago. No, but you couldn't get anything oh, done. You know, you just no. now people can get books done. They get it's just life. You know, screenplays. It's hard. But my advice is, which what I did, I have screenplays, and I took my characters and I put them in books, so so they don't lay in an empty drawer. When you have yeah. your pages in a drawer, nothing happens with them. But if you put them in a book, it's there forever. Your characters, and someone might just say, "Oh, this might make a good movie." I I have done that as well. Mm-hmm. There are a couple yeah. books yeah. where I was yeah. like, uh, I I got so tired of the movie not getting made, getting close, and then yeah. falling apart. Yeah. And, you know, deals falling apart. And I'm just like, yeah. fuck it, I'm going to write the book. Yeah. And the book That's will always be there. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, there there there's one novel in particular uh, called The Long Last Call, um, which takes place entirely at a strip co- a backwood strip club at night. Um, this is a movie I really, really want to make. It's, it's a one-location thing, uh, great characters, uh, sort of about uh, – strip cl- clubs are so weird because it, it's like men and women uh, sort of in this ugly Petri dish where, uh, where uh, yeah. you know, where um, <laughs> what they want from each other is completely different. And, um, and yeah, it's basically a story about this guy uh, who rolls into this backwoods strip club at closing time with a briefcase full of cash, starts tipping everybody. Uh, uh, so the women all want uh, the money. All the guys hate him, but then he's buying rounds of drinks. And then he's like, oh, I'm sorry the bar is about to close. What if you close the bar down, turn off the sign, and we'll throw a little pri- private party and I'll pay for everything and everybody gets like five grand. And, well, that's uh, fun. The only the only problem is, is that uh, the money is infused with slime that turns you into who you actually are, uh, uh, and uh, that we don't we don't ever want to see pretty. what some of these people really are like because you really don't exactly. want that's a good that's an interesting mm-hmm. thought right instead of the really and, and, who they think they they show they are who they really are who they really are and it all goes down <laughs> in an hour and a half uh, the time amount of time it would take uh, for the movie to happen which would play out pretty much in real time. And, uh, yeah, I really want to make this movie, and I think Portland uh, would be a great town to make it in, but uh, I went through so many, like, deals that almost happened and then it fell through and almost happened yeah. and it fell through, I know. and I it was know. just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this book, and Leisure yeah. published it about, what, like, 12 years ago or something, and, yeah. uh, and it's still there, and uh, when I go out to pitch this thing, uh, when I'm done... Uh, uh, finding out uh, 
when I get to shoot Doppelbanger and the movie I'm writing right now, uh, the next one I want to do is Long Last Call, and I can actually just go to the people and hand them copies of the book and say, this is the movie we want to make. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that right, and you might get that made. Yeah, and you know what? Because honestly, yeah. in Hollywood, and they they will read a book, you know, and they'll maybe do it because a script sometimes. Then they go, oh, I want to change this, I want to change that. But when they read it from a book, sometimes it works for them better than the script because then they want to. They got to keep changing the script. This way, they can do their own script if they had to, you know, and they yeah. would like the characters. And I think people. That's how they should think. You know, just get your characters out there, because to us they're people. They are people. We may not. We may, yeah, absolutely. We may, right. You know. Anyway, so thank you for being on, Elizabeth. Thank you, and everybody. No, have thank you. A, yes, oh, this have, was I great. One, so I much have one fun. Thing to say before we go off the air. Uh, okay. My interview with John Skip is going to be at the Horror Zine in the July issue. So look forward toward the end of the month, and I will post just about everywhere about it. Okay, and just and you, send me the link, and I'll put it out, and I'll put it out. Right, okay. Send me the link. Got it. Okay, all right. You, you, got every, you everybody got everything? Okay. All right, we got it. Everything out? <laughs> Anything else? Okay, so. we're done. So. I think we got it. <laughs> we're done. Are they done doing the lawn? Are they done doing the lawn? Yes, yes. Okay. It's, oh, it's, no, it's, 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 like, it's like a crypt around here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you and take care. Bye. Yes, thank you Bye. very you much. Too. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.